listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Good morning, church. Yeah. I'm glad that eight of y'all are excited to be here. That's enough for me, because I am. Um, I wasn't here last Sunday. I was, I was uh, on, away on vacation, and I'm just, I'm glad to be back. I'm, I, I love being on. This morning, I was thinking, uh, last Sunday, early morning, um, I was out for a run on the beach as the sun rose, and it was beautiful, but it is not as pretty as this site right here. Um, and I seriously mean that. Because I, I love this church. I love being here. Um, I, they, I take Sundays because they tell me I have to sometimes. Um, but I love being here. I, love, I missed worshiping with this amazing team. How awesome is our worship team every single week that leads us? Just amazing. <clears throat> and, and the reason why is because I just believe that like, God is doing something here. And, and, and when I'm not here, I'm missing what God is doing. And I don't want to miss what God is doing because God is doing powerful things in the life of his church. I don't mean just this church. I mean just his church in general. As many times as people have written the church off for dead, it is alive and it is well. And it always will be. Like God's church is still something special and powerful in our world and our culture. And it will be till the end of the age. Like the church will always have a voice as long as there are people like you guys that continue to show up and put Jesus where he needs to be in your life and allow yourselves to be used by him. The church will always be the vehicle that God has ordained to take his love into the world. And even though there are times we haven't done that very well because we've lost sight of the things that matter, we are going to be a church that's committed to the things that we need to be committed to in order to be the voice that God needs us to be in this community. Come on! And that's why we're doing this series. That's why over the last few weeks we've been revisiting the core. Because when a, jer- when a church drifts from its priorities is when it fails to accomplish its mission. And so we've been talking about the things that have to be priority for us because our purpose is too important to lose sight of our priorities. Our purpose is too important for us to lose sight of our priorities. And so for the last few weeks, we've been talking about, all right, what are the things that have to remain important for us to continue to be the church that God has called us to be? For us to continue to do the things that God wants us to do, to be the light in the world that he has put us in. What do we need to continue to focus on? Because we are the ordained agent to be the change that the world needs and is looking for. I know people tell me all the time like they're watching the news and they're paying attention to culture. And I hear people say, I'm so scared. I'm so petrified of what's happening in culture. I'm not scared because I've got the answer. Like, I'm not, a, when, I, when I see what's happening in culture and I see people, I, I watch Christians panic. I'm like, why are you panicking? You've got the answer. Like, whenever you see something in the world, the world is broken. But the good news is we have the answer. And it's our job to make sure that that world out there knows it too. Like, it's our job to tell them who Jesus is and what he can do and the power that he has to bring the change that they need. Because it's only found in him, and we are the people that are supposed to help them find him. 
fresh off vacation, I will amen myself all day long. <laughs> this church was born out of God planting me in the book of Acts. Because, see, I grew up in the church. I've been in the church my whole life. I'm a pastor's kid. So, I mean, like, I was, when I say I grew up in the church, like, literally, like, all but being born, I was in the church my entire life. Like, I was the one that was every time the doors were open, I was in church. It didn't matter if we were there to clean the bathroom or if it was a revival. I was at the church. I went to Sunday school and preaching and Sunday night and prayer meeting and fall revival and spring revival and vacation Bible school. And, like, you name it. If it happened, anybody else, you know, like, you, you, you grew up in that way. But I started reading in the book of Acts, and I saw something that I'd never experienced in my own life. Like, I saw this really beautiful, organic movement of God that really was changing the landscape of history. It was having such an impact on the world that it was, it says every day people were getting saved, and, and, and they were all together, and they were unified, and all these powerful things were happening. And I began to to just long to be a part of something like that. Like I wanted to be a part of that type of movement. I didn't want to play church anymore. I didn't want a church just to be a building where we show up and there's just the same 50 or 60 or 70 people for the rest of their lives growing stale and cold and spiritually obese. I want to be a part of something that really changed the world. And in the book of Acts, what I began to see is the, re the reason why they changed the world is because they... They focused on what mattered, that they, they had certain priorities, things that were important, and they protected them, and they guarded them, and that's what kept them being the movement that Jesus began. And that's the things that we tried to instill in this church, these priorities. And not just, you know, I hear people say all the time, well, we've been talking about the priorities, and you ain't talked about the priority of the Bible. Everything we've talked about has been in the Bible. Like, because see, here's what the church, the church likes to speak philosophically about priorities. I want to speak practically about priorities. Like, talk about what we need to do, not just what we need to think in order to be the church God's called us to be. And so we've been talking about things like intentional relationships and inspirational leadership and an and integrated community. And how about the word that Jasmine brought last week? Man, it was so, so good. you know what I've noticed is if you look in the book of Acts you know what, I, what, what has really hit me is like church this is our time this is our time right now in this community in this point in history it is our time to be the hands and feet of Jesus right now and God has ordained that it be us like this is our time one of the things I read in the book of Acts is Acts 17, 26, where Paul says, From one man he made all the nations that, could that should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Paul's saying, you know what? Like, God has strategically put you here. God could have put you anywhere on the globe and in any point in history. Do you know that? Like, God could have put you in any point in history, on any place in the globe, but God has strategically placed us here in this community, in this time frame, and he's done it with a purpose because he has ordained that we be the ones. It's on us to make a difference in eternity.
It is our obligation. It is our opportunity. It is our responsibility to change this world that he's put us in. Right now, right in this place. Peter said like this. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. Go to verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you were not, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Do you see what the scripture is saying? It's like, all right, like, like all of us gathered here together as a church, like this isn't random. This is strategically designed by the hand of God so that we can make a difference for his glory where we are right now, in this place. It's on us. It's our job. Like, like the people that are out there who are lost and don't know Jesus. See, church, hell is a real place. And unfortunately, there have been people throughout history that have died separated from God and not knowing him. And we are the ones that have been given the keys to heaven. And it's our job to disperse from this building Sunday after Sunday and let them know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It is our job. It's on us. He has given us this mission, and that's why it is, it, it's not, I don't hope that we inspire people to live in love like Jesus. I expect it. We, it's not optional for me. It's not optional, believer. It's not optional. You don't wake up and think, well, today I kind of feel like living and loving like Jesus. Like, it, it's our responsibility. Like we have to be effective because eternity depends on it. We're dealing with the lives and souls, the eternal souls of people. And where he has put us on this map is where we are on mission right now, this time, in this place. And that's why it is imperative that we are effective as a people and as a church. Like, we have to get this right. We have to inspire people to live in love like Jesus. We have to introduce people to the saving grace of God. We have to let people know who Jesus really is and what he's done for them. Like, we have to. We cannot afford not to be. And so the reality is I will never settle for us not being effective in doing that. So what that means is we're going to have to learn how to be innovative because to remain effective we must be innovative. To remain effective, we must be innovative. See, we have to do this. And to be effective, we have to constantly be innovative. Because what it's going to take to reach people now is not what it took 10 years ago. What it's going to take to reach people 10 years from now is going to look different than what it looks like now. And the reason why so many people are giving up on the church and writing the church off is because the church has failed to be effective because they refused to be innovative. And if you refuse to be innovative, you will fail to be effective. He is preaching today. Come on. Let me show you what I mean. See, 
See, Paul got, the early church got this. Paul got this. Look at 1 Corinthians. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those having the law, I became like the one having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. See, Paul said, well, I've realized that like to be effective in the life of this person, I had to change. I had to approach things different. And then to, to, to reach this one for Jesus and to help them to understand who Jesus was, I had to be different from this one than I was that one. And what Paul said is what I realized, that my, my life's mission, my, the most important thing in my life was to make sure people know Jesus. And as I encountered new people, I realized I had to come up with new ways to make sure those people knew my same God. And see, this is the problem with the church in so many situations. Is we sacrifice effectiveness on the altar of stubbornness. Because we're not willing to change. But that will not be so for us, Vintage Church. Because innovative environments will always be a priority for us. Because in order for us to always be effective, we have to be innovative. What it's going to take to reach people in the future is going to look different than it looks right now. And if we're not willing to change, then we'll cease to be effective. And I am, God is not okay with that. Here's the, the message is eternal, but the methods have an expiration date. The message is eternal. But the methods have an expiration date. And we will change whatever needs to be changed to ensure that we continue to reach new people. We've always done that. We valued this. Because if, if, if innovation has to be a, pro a priority because effectiveness is a must. Come on, you with me? Because if it doesn't work, we have to do something different. And the problem with the church is we fall in, so in love with the way that we do things, we forget why we do it and who we do it for. And if we're going to be effective, we have to change. And the problem with the church so often is we know things aren't working, but we won't change anything because we fall in love with it. And we refuse to do anything different. Y'all heard that old saying, the definition of insanity is continuing to do the same thing and expect a different result. There are some churches that are insane out there because they're doing the same thing they did in 1974 and it ain't working and they know it ain't working, but they don't have the guts to change it. Can I go ahead and tell you at a church where things are gonna constantly change if they need to in order to remain effective? We have people say all the time, y'all always changing stuff. Get used to it. Because if it doesn't work, we ain't going to keep doing it. Why? Because our mission is too important for it not to be effective. If it doesn't work, we're going to change it. 
And I don't care if we just changed it. People say, well, y'all just changed it last week. It's different this week. That's because we found a new way to do it, a better way. Y'all with me this morning? Come on. This is so true for us as a church. Like we, we adopt this and build this in our team that we're constantly asking ourselves, is it working? Is it, is it as a, and even if, it, not just is it working, is it working as good as it could? Because, because it matters to us. Even, even on, on Sundays, we're constantly evaluating what we're doing even as we're doing it in the room on Sunday mornings. Like a couple weeks ago, y'all don't know this, but we changed a song from first service to second service. Because in first service, we introduced a new song to start the service, and, and, and y'all just didn't like it. And you know what? We decided between service, Christian and I talked, we, we said, you know what? We need to change it because if, if, we need to make sure that we do whatever we can to make sure our next experience is as effective as it possibly can be. And right on the fly, the band did a totally different song that none of them had practiced, none of them had prepared for until that moment. You know why? Because it matters. Oh, it's just one Sunday. Every Sunday is the only Sunday. Do you, I, I realize that today is the only Sunday we may get with somebody in the room. It, you know, that's why in summertime, people, people always say, well, why don't you just back things down? You know, the room's not as full. People are traveling, that kind of stuff. No! Next Sunday is the lowest attended Sunday of the year. It's the Sunday of July 4th. And we have one of the coolest experiences we've ever planned for you in this awesome communion service we're going to do next Sunday. And some of y'all are going to miss it. <laughs> because every Sunday is somebody's only Sunday. And we will waste nothing. We have to be innovative because God desires that we're effective. And see, Innovation is a willingness, just so we're all clear, innovation is a willingness to change whenever necessary to remain effective. Do you get that? I'm saying again. Innovation is a willingness to change whenever necessary to remain effective. And that will always be a high priority at our church. And, and there's three things, three elements of innovation that you need to understand. Good, the right innovation is relevant, creative, and excellent. Relevant, creative, and excellent. First of all, it's relevant. And I know here's a word that's become a trendy word. We want to be relevant. <laughs> and even when I say that word, there's some people in the room like, like you push back a little bit because you've seen relevance go to a really bad place. Where in an attempt to be relevant, the church has diluted itself or watered it down or changed the message. That's not what I'm talking about. Relevance is not catering to what people want. It's meeting people where they are. Relevance is not catering to what people want. It's meeting people where they are. We will never shy away from speaking the truth of God's word in this building. We never, we never have, we never will. And there's times we have to preach on stuff that don't make us real popular, and I don't care because I have to look at God for what I've said from this platform and nobody else. Amen. Relevance is not catering to what people want. It's meeting people where they are. And this is scary. And one of the reasons why the church doesn't want to be relevant is because meeting, meeting people where they are is messy. And it's difficult. 
Because where people are are broken and sinful. Many people are means that they, they don't know how to act when they come in church cause, like you do because you grew up in it. They don't know they're not supposed to wear that or say that or look like that. Come on. Meeting people where they are means that some of their mess might get on you. It's funny. We talk about we're a church of imperfect people and everybody's broken, but as soon as somebody else is broken, this impacts you, you want to run from them. That was good. I said it too fast. <laughs> come on. Like we talk about how, oh, we're imperfect and we're not perfect people, but people come to church and all of a sudden that imperfect, imperfection impacts you and somebody lets you down and you want to leave. Amen. Happens all the time. If you're going to come to church... When we meet people where we are, it's going to be messy. And at times, that mess may get on you. And you have to learn to deal with it. But it also means, you know what? We can't so disconnect ourselves from culture. We don't know how to speak to a generation that needs the voice of God. You notice what Paul said? Go back to Acts chapter 17. I referenced it earlier. Acts chapter 17. Pick up with verse 22. It says, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. Do you see what Paul did? How he starts? He said, you know what? As I walked around, as I paid attention, as I looked at what's going on in the culture in which you live, See, so many people, we can't be relevant as a, cult, as a church because we're ignorant of the culture. Oh, that's good. Do you hear me? Like, we can't be relevant as a church because we're ignorant of what's happening in culture. And I hear people all the time, it's like, I just don't want to even see that stuff. I just don't even want to hear it. I don't even want to watch it. I don't even know about it. I'm so scared. I'm not scared because I got the answer, so it doesn't scare me. I need, you need to know what they're watching. You need to know what's influencing them. You need to know what you're up against. Come on. Paul says, as I walked around, you know what Paul, if Paul would have lived in certain days in our church, Paul would have went to the synagogue and said, y'all come, I have Jesus. And he'd have ended up speaking to about five people who are already believers. He gets out of the synagogue, and this was so, what was random, like people expected to, to encounter God. You had to come to the temple. You had to go to the priest. You had to go, like you had to come in this place. And Paul says, hey, I noticed as I actually walked around and engaged the culture that you're living in, what I noticed is that there are things that are important to you, and the reason why those things are important to you is because something's missing, and let me tell you what that thing is. Amen. And he starts right where they are. And he proclaims it to him. Verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. Then look what he does in verse 28. For in him we live and move and have our being as some of your own prophets have said we are his offspring. Paul quotes one of their own prophets. And our coach would be like as Snoop Dogg has said that's a bad example. 
Like he, he speaks of a relevant prophet. He, and like, like we don't know this, but as soon as he said, as one of your own prophets, as soon as he said that, somebody would have, would have known exactly the lyric from the poem that was from that they used in their own secular culture. And imagine that. Paul hijacks something from the world and uses it for God's glory. Imagine. You can do that. <laughs> Got to be relevant and meet people where they are. And that's why, you know what? We try to speak in things in the truth of God in a way in this building and in this place that hits people right where they are in their lives. Stuff that's easy to understand and, and immediately applicable. The church has made things so complicated and started throwing around all these big million dollar words that nobody understands. And you go and you listen to a preacher preach and you walk out and you might as well have been speaking another language. People all the time say, Matt, you just preach so simple. It's because I'm not very smart. I'm kind of offended that y'all are still laughing. <laughs> but I, 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 don't think, I don't think the Bible's as complicated as we make it. My Greek professor would challenge me on that from college, but I just don't think it is. I don't think the Bible's near. I think people have made you fear that for so long that you've refused to dive into it in a way that you can and, and can understand and can change your life. I don't think the Bible's nearly as complicated as we make it out to be. It was written so that you could understand it and read it and the power of God can move through it into your heart and change the way that you live. You don't need some guy with PhD at the end of his name to help you do that. The Spirit can pull the words right off the page and shove them into your heart and change your life. Whoo! It's relevant. If we're going to be innovative, we also have to be creative. God is the most creative force in all the universe. You know that, right? Like, I don't know why the church fears creativity when God is so creative. Let me tell you how he's creative. Just look around the room. You are an example of his creativity. There's not a single person in this room that looks like you. It's God's creativity at play and at work. But see, the, the church fears creativity because it means we're going to have to step outside of what we've always known. We're going to have to wrestle with, we've never done it that way before. Well, that might mean we need to do it that way. But see, here's what, we can never let our preference stand in the way of God's purpose. And that's why we're not creative as a church, because we fall in love with our preference, and our preference becomes more important than God's purpose. Well, I like the way we do it. Victory in Jesus is my favorite song. I think we should sing it every Sunday. What's wrong with first, second, third verse and the chorus five times? Can I ask you something? See, the way we have done church for so long is not because the, the Scripture tells us we should do it that way. It's because at some point it worked. And it was effective. And it met people where they are. But then people moved. And the church stayed still. And we didn't have the guts to step out of our preference so that we could be effective for God's purpose. We have to be creative. We have to be willing to think outside the box and not fall so much in love with what we do that we forget why we do it and who we do it for. Jesus was constantly challenging the religious people with this concept. Look at Matthew chapter 15. 
Look at verse 1. It says, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father and mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. So, so you fell in, you've fallen so in love with your traditions that you forgot the greater purpose of why those traditions were in place. And I think sometimes God's looking at the church and says, you know what, why are you still doing that? Because we like it, we love it, we want to do it this way. And God's like, but it's not working. And if it's not effective, why are you doing it? So we will always put biblical principles over personal preferences. We have people all the time, I have people all the time complain about the way we do church. I don't like it that way. I want to do it like my last church do it, did it. Maybe you should go back to your old church. If you like the way they did it, why are you here? Did I say that? I just said that, didn't I? <laughs> have to be willing to be creative. And here's the thing, like, like, there's no one way to do church. I'm not saying the way, the way that we do it is better than any way anybody else does it. This is the way we believe we need to do it in order to be effective with what God has called us to do. And the moment that ceases to be, we're going to change it. It's going to be different. It's gonna, and I, I think we're so scared of being creative. It's almost like we're worried, like, is God going to get mad if we do that? Again, we're not ever going to compromise the framework of Scripture, but anything that we can leverage for God's glory, we're going to leverage, we're going to use. I have people come in here all the time and say, that don't look like a church. Good. <laughs> First of all, what's a church supposed to look like? In the Bible, it doesn't say stained glass pews in a steeple. People walking there, I don't like all them lines. <laughs> Can I tell you something? These are nice fixtures, all these fixtures. I mean, these are high-quality fixtures. As a matter of fact, there'll be fixtures used just like this one at a concert somewhere for a band that in no way will honor and glorify Jesus. There are some lights like these up here that will be used at a concert somewhere in a, in a manner that is in no way edifying and glorifying and uplifting and encouraging people to find Jesus. I'm glad that we redeemed that one and 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 that one. And these get to be used every Sunday to help people worship and understand who Jesus really is. Amen. See, the world's taken enough. Whenever we can snatch something back and use it and leverage it for the God's glory, we're going to do it. Because we're willing to do it. And here's the thing. The further we go, the more creative we're going to have to be. We're going to have to think outside the box about what it means to reach people for Jesus. Like right now, we have situations that are threatening the effectiveness of our church. Like we have, we have space issues. Y'all are spitting babies out like Pez dispensers. <laughs> Bring it back. So seriously, so much, 
I mean, it's amazing. Our kids' ministry is booming. So much so, like, it's getting to the point where we've got kids where it's to the point, safety-wise, we're going to have to, like, close rooms just because we can't put physically another child in that space and it be okay. So we're dealing with those kind of space issues. I mean, we're, we have hit capacity. When, I know it's summer right now and you see a lot of empty seats, but it's because it's summer. When the fall settles in and it hits, I mean, it's going to be, and so we're trying to figure out, all right, what do we do? Because here's the thing, is we have to keep reaching as many people as God has called us to reach. And so we're going to have to think of creative ways that are going to be uncomfortable, but we're going to have to be innovative to remain effective. And right now we're wrestling with those things. We're figuring out where to blow out walls and how to create new space and how we're actually for the first time ever talking about we're going to have to create a third worship experience. And it's going to have to be... And it's going to be outside of Sunday. You can worship Jesus on another day. And here's, we don't have the money or the resources or the volunteers to do any of that, but you know what? We're going to do it because we have to. We got to get creative. We got to step outside the box. Isaiah 43, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Don't you perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. We have to have the courage to be creative. We have the greatest message in all of history, and it deserves to be presented in the most creative and relevant way possible. Third element of innovation is excellence. I think God deserves our best. I think God deserves our best. And if we're going to innovate and we're going to change, we need to make sure we do it well. I don't know why we got this myth in the church at some point where if it's for God, it don't have to be good. If we're going to innovate, it means it's going to have to be excellent. That means everything that is done to present the message of God's Son in Jesus should be presented in an excellent way. And we can settle for nothing less. It's crazy how excellence has gone so down in the church. And I'm just going to get real. Like you've sat in a church and you've painfully listened to that girl sing the special music that didn't deserve to be on that stage for a second. Why well, sing at my first church? Well, you can't sing. You ain't singing here. Matt, that's brutal. God deserves our best. And God deserves that we represent him in the best way possible. And that means we should do everything that we do. If it's for God, it should be excellent because he's worthy of it. And he deserves nothing less than our best in everything that we do. Whether it be in this room or in that kid's ministry or in the lobby or in the parking lot or anything that we do, any outreach ministry, anything that we do, it should be done well and with excellence. The church should be leading the way in this. And we've compromised it for a really, really long time. Oh, she just has a good heart. It don't matter. That's great that she has a good heart. That's great that he has a good heart. Find him an excellent way to serve, but it don't need to be there. Am I making sense? Yeah. Excellence. Because I believe... I firmly believe that the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And I believe God gave us his best in Jesus. And he deserves nothing less from me and from his church. Colossians 3, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart 
as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So, whatever, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That means in excellence, you stand on this platform. In excellence, you stand before those children. In excellence, you stand out in that parking lot and park car. Like in everything that you do, God deserves our best. And excellence is expensive. I don't mean financially. Excellence means we have to say no to certain people in certain areas and, and funnel them into other areas. That means, you know what, every time we have to innovate and to remain effective, it's going to be expensive to do what God's calling us to do. And sometimes we get to this point where we start worrying about money too much. We let the money drive the vision instead of the vision drive the money. But you know what? If it is either spend money that we don't have to reach people that aren't here or just stay where we are, I'm going in the first direction. I understand there's some responsibility and stuff that need to be there. I'm not really good at that sometimes, but that's why we have elders. Excellence. See, to remain effective, we have to be innovative, and innovation is relevant, creative, and excellent because what we're doing, our purpose is too large, too big, too important to drift from our priorities. There's one last thing I need to leave you with. Innovation must always come from revelation. Whatever change we ever do needs to be inspired by and led by God. Change for change's sake is silly. Innovation, just for the sake of innovation, is pointless. Whenever we make a change, it must be because we are being led and directed by God to make that change. If God isn't leading us in that direction, and if it isn't about making our church more effective at its mission, we don't need to do it. We will never change just because we need to change. People come to me all the time, oh, do you see what so-and-so church is doing? Can I be honest with you? I don't care what they're doing. Because God is working here and leading us in a certain direction. And yet, can we learn from other people? That's fine. But you know what? We have to do what God wants us to do. And that comes from his leading and his spirit and through leaders getting on their knees and praying and seeking God and trusting him and allowing his voice to speak in our hearts about where we're supposed to go next. Innovation. You're going to come in this room in a couple weeks and it's going to look different. Things are going to constantly change. But I need you to know something. All the innovation in the world cannot overcompensate for a lack of anointing from God. All the innovation in the world cannot overcompensate for a lack of anointing from God. As this church has grown and as it moves forward, the innovation will help. But it's the anointing and presence of the Holy Spirit that will always make the difference. When God takes, when you innovate and God anoints, powerful things happen. Powerful things happen. See, all the innovation in the world is not going to be what moves this church into the future, continue to be effective generation from generation from generation. It will be the anointing and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. There's not enough lights or good music or eloquent preaching, or dynamic kids ministry, or student ministry, that can make up for an absence of God. God has to be in it. 
So every time we are about to make a see, we're here, we're here to make a difference, not a spectacle. And every time we make a change, I pray this prayer. It's, it's what Moses prayed in, in Exodus 33. God's called him to bring a big change, 450 years in the making. And this is what he prayed. Look at Exodus 33, 15. It says, then Moses said to him, said to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? He says, God, we're going to move and we're going to make this move. But God, if you don't go with us, don't let us go. Because it is your presence that's going to be the distinguishing factor between us and everybody else. When we made this decision, God, if your presence doesn't move into that building with us, then stop it from the beginning. If your presence isn't in the change that we're about to make, this new thing that we're about to do, God, if this isn't from you, from your hand, directed by you for your glory, if the motivation is from anything flesh in my flesh or about numbers or about anything other than us being who you called us to be, stop it before it ever gets started. May your presence go with us so that we can really make a difference. A church that drifts from its priorities fails to accomplish its mission. And over the last few weeks, you've heard our priorities, but they can't be mine. They can't be just the priorities of your pastors and the other leaders in our church. If our church is gonna be to this generation in this time and place all that God wants it to be, we have to all own it. We have to be intentional with our relationships. We have to be willing to be the inspirational leaders to keep the movement forward. We have to have the courage to integrate as a community and love on each other and be there for each other. And we have to have the courage to change as God calls us to change in order to be effective. I want us to make a difference. Because God, God's allowed us to be a part of this, but he doesn't need us. The Bible says that if we don't sing his praises, the rocks will cry out. So if we don't do what he's called us to do, he'll pick somebody else. But I want it to be us. And I want you to want it to be you. Let's change the world. We'll do it if we keep the main things the main things. Stand with me. Let's pray. Father, I pray that as we worship you this morning, as we finish out this series, that you would use this time to lock us into what matters most that you would use us, that we are a royal priesthood, a chosen nation to declare the praises of his, of your glory. God, speak to us, challenge us and stretch us in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.